Roll down tide. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, this is the Beer Garden presented by Oxford Crystal. Like to hear a little bit more conviction in your take, though. There was a lot of maybes, a lot of what ifs, a lot of questions. You need to just get on here. You need to fire and and put me in a position where I have to tell you that you're wrong. And now, here's your host, Neil McCready. Nice, nice. Welcome to another edition of the Beer Garden presented by Oxford Crystal. I'm your host, Neil McCready. Today on the show, it's an NFL draft preview edition with Neil Stratton of Inside the League. We uh, talk about NFL stuff, which is kind of refreshing today because it's actual sports. The NFL is actually going to have a draft. It's going to be uh, done by Zoom and FaceTime and Skype and all the other things that we all use all the time. And I, as I told Neil, you'll hear it in a little bit. Really don't care if technically it's a disaster. I'll still love it. I'm just glad we're getting real sports, real stuff, something to talk about, guys that are going to get taken, drafted. We'll get to talk about who made a good pick, who made a bad pick, real stuff. It's really cool. I'm excited about it. Kudos to the NFL. I normally don't say kudos to Roger Goodell very often, but kudos to Roger Goodell for uh, standing up to all of the pressure to cancel and doing the draft. And here's hoping that all the guys that are taken – get an opportunity to play this season in their new NFL homes. All right, we'll get to Neil Stratton in just a minute. Let me tell you, I am coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios. Uh, Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900 is the number. Call it. Ask for Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours, right to the bottom line. No hassle, no haggle. You get your quote. You know the rest. You're going to end up wanting to get in that Clark Ford. Corey wants to be your truck guy. He wants to be your car guy. 662 257 1900 we are brought to you as i told you by the oxford crystal highway 6 west in oxford right next door to the oxford exxon fill up at the oxford exxon and then fill up at the oxford crystal uh even in quarantine times the oxford crystal is there for you drive through is open delivery is open um whether it's grubhub uber eats uh doordash whatever the case whether it's not, if even if it's not the Oxford Crystal, your neighborhood Crystal, uh, give them a uh, give them a call. Make let them make your lunch, your dinner, your breakfast easy. You can uh, run through that drive-through. Just can't go in just yet, but one day soon you'll be able to. And when you do, remember that uh, the folks at Crystal, Ben Craddock, and all the people uh, associated with Oxford Crystal, how much they're giving back to the community during this uh, really weird time. It's also home to the uh, one dollar new Crystal Catch. Hush Puppy Battered Fish Sandwich there at Crystal. Also the new fresh crack, cracked egg biscuits, bacon, egg, and cheese, sausage, egg, and cheese, all using fresh cracked eggs. And, of course, it's always home to the Scrambler Breakfast Bowls. Great way to start your day, bacon, sausage, cheese, grits, all of that stuff in the Scrambler Breakfast Bowl, brought to you by Oxford Crystal. We're also brought to you by LB's Meat Market, LB's Meat Market in Oxford, right across from Kroger. It's at uh, 2008 University Avenue in Oxford, 662-259-2999. Get in touch with Greg Jones. You can do this any number of ways. Uh, You can still go in and uh, shop around, talk to Greg, get some ideas. And um, whether it's like my my neighbor Johnny Goff and his uh, uh, picanha, 
which is absolutely fantastic. I've done it. I can't quite do it as well as Johnny does, but you should get it and give it a shot yourself. All sorts of other things, too. The Denver steak, their uh, chicken, pork, sausage, fresh fish on Thursdays, Atlantic salmon, uh, salmon, I should say, not salmon. That's horrible. Wild-caught Mississippi redfish, sushi-grade tuna, amberjack, and more. All of that at LB's. Call Greg. If you don't uh, want to go in, you're a little, little antsy about the coronavirus. It's cool. No big deal. Uh, you can call. You can place your order. You can go ahead and prepay. He'll have it all packaged up. He'll bring it out to your car. Off you go. No human contact. You're safe and sound, and you uh, have dinner all taken care of. You can do it that way. You can go in either way. 662-259-2999. Uh, right across from Kroger, as I said, in Oxford. 2008 University Avenue in Oxford. We're also brought to you by Community Mortgage. It's located in Oxford, Memphis, DeSoto County, in Chattanooga. 30 years old this year. It's one of the oldest mortgage companies in the Southeast. All of the underwriting and processing is done in Memphis, so you're getting local underwriting that understands your market. It's also the leader in condo financing in the Oxford market. So ask Jason Lowe about Community Mortgage's float-down option. It allows you to lock in the current rate. If rates go down before you close, it's okay. You can uh, get the lower rate. It's J-Lo, J-L-O-W-E, at communitymtg.com. Now here's Neil Stratton with Inside the League. Neil Stratton of Inside the League joins us here on the podcast. Neil, it's been a little while. Hope you doing, Hope you and your family are uh, safe and well. How are you? So far, so good, Neil. Hope you're doing well, too. Uh, everything is cool here in Houston, and uh, hopefully it'll stay that way. Yeah, I... Before we get into the draft, I'm curious. I think you and I are sort of on the same page here. We we're I think you and I are both kind of wondering what in the world we're doing uh, from a from a standpoint of of where this thing goes forward. When when you talk to people in and around the game, I know you talk to a lot of agents and that type thing who represent players. You talk to people who are who are uh, representing players getting ready for the draft. You talk to people who are hoping to represent players. That kind of thing. When you talk to people, what is on a scale of, I guess, 1 to 100, what is the optimism meter about an NFL season in the fall? You know, it's hard to even handicap that, Neil, because we're in such unbroken ground. You know, it's such an undiscovered country, so to speak. Um, I think we'll have it. I read that uh, the mayor of New Orleans said she doesn't want to see anyone in the Superdome this year. I don't know where you go from there. Um, you know, obviously, uh, the, the government of California has been pretty anti-events and that kind of thing. And the one thing that I can say of, that I've seen <clears throat> is that the NFL is hypersensitive about giving anyone a competitive advantage. And so I guess until every state is really on board um, with kind of reopening the country and, and getting the, the economy going again, it's really hard to say what's going to happen. I can't believe that at least by August we won't be able to have training camps and get on with our lives, but there's a lot of things I haven't been able to believe over the last you know, 30 to 60 days, and so I guess I'm just kind of uh, suspending uh, disbelief like, on, on many fronts. Um, you know, we've got a draft that's going to be pretty unprecedented on Thursday that's coming up, and they had kinks apparently in that when they tried to do their, their dry run yesterday. So it's going to be fun uh, to see what happens this week uh, and, and what happens in 60 days, 90 days. I guess I'm keeping my fingers crossed. It's hard to do anything beyond that, really. 
Yeah, you know, I catch myself as it pertains to the draft this weekend in terms of the technical aspect of it. I'll forgive anything. I don't care. Just, just I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad they're doing it. I mean, if it if it ends up being from a technical standpoint a train wreck, I'm not going to hold it against the NFL. If it ends up being almost a circus, I'm I'm not going to laugh. I'm just going to say, hey, good for you guys, man. I mean, you you figured out a way. You did it. You did the draft, even if it's not perfect. As long as you know we're not having a, a debate over well, who who actually who actually drafted second. As long as we know, hey, you know the the hey Bengals, you're on the clock. You got 15 minutes to figure this out. They draft Burrow. The next, the Redskins come up. They're on the clock, and they 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 take whoever they take. As long as there's like not some big debate about no, that's not who they took. As long as we're, I, I don't really care if we have some technical problems. It, it's not going to. I'm not going to be offended. I'm 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 happy that the NFL's doing something in much the same way that I'm excited that that ESPN did the right thing with this uh, Michael Jordan Chicago Bulls documentary. You know, I mean, we, we're just. It's not even that we're craving sports. And I, I promise we're going to get to the draft in a minute. You're a busy person. I'm not going to waste your time. But it's not just that we're craving sports. It's not even that it's about sports. I just think some people are craving normalcy. And to some degree, yeah. I think some people are craving some common sense right now. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, I was about to bring up that documentary as well. I mean, it feels like everyone in America is watching it. And I don't even like basketball when I'm watching it. And I wonder what the ratings would be if every if we were proceeding as normal and there was baseball and there was basketball and you know we had all you know NFL was more or less on track with the draft and what have you. I think it would still be popular, but my gosh, it's captivating the nation right now because it's all we have. It's as far as sports. Yeah, and I tell you what, a lot of people don't like Roger Goodell and they have their issues with him. I'm one of those people, but I really give him credit for pressing ahead with this because he had to face down a lot of pressure. I know. And people want to say, hey, let's push it back. You know, why are you trying to conduct business as usual? I think maybe he lost a few PR points. But for the, for, I think for rank-and-file Americans, we're so hungry for some sense of normalcy, like you said. I can't wait to the draft. I, can't, I, I remember when I, I mean, I'm in the business, and I can't remember how long it's been uh, anticipated a draft as much as I had this one. So I, I don't think I'm alone there. Yeah, no, you're not. I mean, if the if the Packers feed is not great, you're not going to be worked up about it. You'll be like, okay, it's cool. Mm-mm. We'll be all right. Mm-mm. Yeah, I mean, not at all. You know, if the Chiefs if the Chiefs call falls off for a couple minutes and they have to say, hey, we got to hang on, we got to reconnect with the Chiefs, we're all going to go, yeah, been there, done that. <laughs> it's all good. It's just one big Zoom call, Neil. We've all been on a Zoom call sometime <laughs> over the last thirty days. Yeah, I mean, it's so, just yeah. if if we got to hit the pause button for a minute and a half and talk about, <laughs> hey, you know. So let's let's talk again about what Denver just did while we wait for the Chiefs to get reconnected. I'm cool with that. I'm, I'm I mean it's all good. I know where yeah. I, I I get the league wants it to go off, you know, without a hitch, and the league wants it to sure. to uh, to raise a lot of money, and the, and the, and and all all of that is admirable. And I'm with you on Goodell. I'm normally a, a pretty big critic, but you can you imagine the amount of pressure that he has felt to cancel this, to postpone this. There is so much pressure on people right now. And, and, and I'm not trying to get yeah. overly political to just cancel, cancel, cancel. And he said, wait a minute, hold up. Okay, maybe we don't need to fly everybody to New York and do the whole <coughs> shooting match, but or in this case, Las Vegas. But you know what? We can do this by phone. We can we can go yeah. ahead and let this get done where, where you know, uh, people can start negotiating with Jerry Judy and and go ahead and get some deals done and 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 some stuff mm-hmm. like that where the the business that can be done without mass <clears throat> gatherings can go ahead and get done. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, yeah, I, to me that's easy. I mean, um, I haven't been finding really close to it. My understanding is even Adam Schefter has been 
kind of derogatory towards uh, Goodell. And, I mean, Shep is essentially the, the spokesman of the NFL these days. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I give him credit for standing his ground and, and moving forward with this, and I think the country needs it. All right, let's uh, let's talk about the draft a little bit because I'm not going to keep you super long because I know you were a really busy guy here on just a handful of days before the draft gets started, two days actually, before the draft gets started. Um, I, I think we all know what's going to happen at number one with Burrow. He's going to go to uh, – Joe Burrow is going to go to the Bengals. They don't really have a choice. I think in, in, a, in a different world, the, the Bengals might – because there are some other quarterbacks in this draft, in a different world, the Bengals might really shop that number one pick and see if they could – could cash in on this draft, but I don't. I don't think that's what that organization is going to do with an Ohio kid right there available who just won the Heisman Trophy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. I mean, that's a as close. That's as close to there being a, a lead pipe cinch lock as you're going to find in the draft in the last years. I mean, even last year, I think there was some debate about Murray. Years ago, there's a lot of debate about Mayfield. No one really knew until. Almost draft eve, but he's me number one. But my gosh, it was pretty much been no Burrow's me number one since I don't know November practically. Okay, so after that though, there's a good bit of debate. I mean, that's what's going to be one of the fun parts of this debate is that there's and and someone made the comment. I can't remember where it was. It might have been in Peter King's uh, column on Monday morning. I can't remember, but it was about how so much information. You know how you guys. Guys like you go to the Senior Bowl, and the, the rumor mill kicks in. You, you get a lot of intelligence, but you know there was no, there weren't any pro days really. There, there weren't a, a lot of workouts. There was the combine, then after that, things kind of shut down. So there's, there hasn't been a lot of intelligence to gather, and so now there's more guessing than ever before. Uh, one of the NFL people said about journalists, he goes, you know, you guys, your mocks are off more now than they've ever been before. Because people don't really have as much access to information. I've seen where there are as many as maybe 80 players who could end up being drafted in the first round. Obviously, that they won't literally be, but you know what I mean. There's, there's people yeah. who are candidates to go, to go early because we don't really have a, a grasp on what everyone's trying to do. Uh, Washington's going, going second. Uh, the, the thought is they're going to go defense. They almost certainly go Chase Young. And then after that, things get pretty interesting, right? Yeah. Well... To address the point you just made, um, it's really interesting. I was texting this guy yesterday, and he said, you know, we didn't have pro days this year. Uh, they ended on the 14th, more or less, of March. During that four weeks of March and first week of April, that's the grand, hey, let's all compare notes across the country. And every scout says, okay, I like this guy. What do you think about this guy? And everyone kind of comes to consensus. And that's where you get the great solidification of the first round, the great solidification of, who's going on day two, and the great specification of these guys are probably drafted, and these guys are probably undrafted free agents. That didn't happen this year. So it will be really fascinating to see the surprises in the first round, the surprises in the second and third round, but really the surprises on day four. There's going to be guys, I'm sorry, day three, there's going to be guys that are just taken that nobody knows about or, you know, that are essentially taken strictly on film because they don't have a time on them, and I think that's going to be a lot of fun. I do too. Now, Addressing your you know, your points, it's interesting. The Lions could go in a lot of different re- directions. I think they'd probably go Okuda. I don't think they're going to take a quarterback. I think that'd be crazy. Um, but you've heard some speculation about it. I think I think the Lions are probably the first team that really goes best athlete available for the most part. And that could be Okuda. That could be Simmons. It could be Worfs. Um, it could be Derek Brown. There's a number of ways they could go. I don't think they go quarterback, but who knows? Judy's a possibility, although I think Lamb is probably 
eclipsed him as the first wide receiver off the board. The Giants, <laughs> you're hearing some Justin Herbert stuff. I mean, that's ridiculous. Why? They're not going to take uh, Herbert. They, they, Jones last year. they can't take. They, I mean, unless they're trading Jones. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think they're obviously trying to create interest in trading down. And I can't imagine that there'd be any other reason besides that, that they'll be getting word out there that Herbert is a guy that they like. Um, you know, there are teams that probably like to, would like to jump ahead of the Dolphins. And so and if there really are teams that have Herbert ahead of two on their board, which is possible, then maybe you know, the Johnson will find a market for that pick. I, I can't imagine they actually go through with taking a Herbert. Um, they're another team that has a lot of needs and can go in a lot of different directions. Um, and then, you know, the Dolphins, I think, a quarterback. I think it's possible that two is not their guy. Um, again, if someone trades ahead of them, then they may not have the option of taking him. I've seen two of the Chargers. I've heard two of the Chargers. Um, you know, that whole, once you get past two, as, as you said, really, really three to ten, there's a lot of flexibility there and probably a lot of drama and suspense as far as who's going to go where. All right, so let's let's do the quarterback thing because it's obviously it's fascinating. We know Burrow's the first quarterback off the board. Then after that, there's this debate that will be, God bless both of them because they'll hear it for the rest of their careers. Uh, to attack of Aloha and and Justin Herbert, who which one which one has the most momentum? Let's put it that way. And you, you're talking to a lot of scouts and stuff. I know agents and that kind of thing. Which which one has more momentum right now on the eve of the draft? Well. I think Herbert's got a lot more momentum. Interesting point about Tua. You know, Tua signed with uh, Steinberg Sports. And there was a time when Lee Steinberg was, you know, the chairman of the board when it comes to quarterbacks and representing all these players and that kind of thing. <clears throat> what you're seeing now is, I think last week was it that there was suddenly a lot of alarm among scouts that his medicals hadn't come through the way a lot of people thought he was going to. And, uh, you know, there was some major issues and Michael Barry was coming out saying he's probably the number three quarterback on the board, what have you, and all that kind of thing. And then, I think, late last week, there was some another kind of, what I'll call an October surprise, kind of the thing you see in presidential uh, campaigns where you hear about something in the, almost on the eve of the election. Two didn't sign with CAA. CAA kind of runs the NFL media, and um, because he didn't, there's, he doesn't have that control of the kind of things that, you know, a top pick normally would have control of. That may be why you're, there's the perception out there that Herbert has passed him. I don't know if he has or not. Um, I don't I haven't gotten that sense from teams, but it's interesting to kind of note that and be aware of how that game is played as far as in the media and those kind of things. Uh, with all that said, I think Herbert's got more um, momentum right now, but I just don't see him passing too. I think still... Uh, despite the fact that they didn't have the traditional medical rechecks off the combine like they did, you know, obviously for you know because they couldn't. Uh, my understanding is he was given a risky but still healthy uh, diagnosis, which a lot of players get. So I don't think there's been some sudden uh, wash of information about Tua's hip that's going to knock him down boards or anything. I still think. He's the number two quarterback out there. And, uh, you know, again, we'll see on Thursday if that's true or not. But uh, I think that a lot of this is media hype and smoke screen. And the truth is, Tua still goes as the number two quarterback. Yeah. Don't you think, I mean, unless unless you've got solid uh, 
solid information that hey that hip is just not good that that hip is going to hamper his career it's going to change him a year ago he was going to be the first pick in the draft even if joe burrow has this season even if burrow has this phenomenal year that he had and kudos to burrow because man he had an incredible year Tua still goes number one so if you're miami and you have to have a quarterback and they do this is your shot i mean if you if if you don't take Tua and you take Herbert and then Herbert's just mediocre and Tua ends up being good, you, you you can't live it down. It's much like for the Bengals, I mean, it's such a safe pick, right, Burrow, at this point. Right. Because even if Burrow right. ends up not being as good as Tua as a pro quarterback, no one's really going to be able to go question that. It's kind of like, to, to go back to the last dance for a minute, nobody criticizes the Rockets for not taking Jordan. They took Akeem. Uh-huh. They took Akeem Olajuwon. It all worked out. I mean, it made sense. You know, I mean, the Blazers. Uh-huh. The Blazers would like to have that night back, but the, the, but, but the the Rockets look at it and go, yeah. I mean, you know, we, we would have enjoyed having Jordan in Houston, but we, we 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 made a safe pick, and and so, you know, it's very similar because Akeem played his college ball there at the University of Houston and all that stuff. It was just from a marketing standpoint, from a basketball standpoint, it made sense in much the same way Burrow to to Cincy makes makes sense on every conceivable level that being said uh-huh. if you're miami i i just think tua makes so much sense for them unless there's information about the hip that that just can't be ignored mm-hmm. and i and my again having spoken to people about this i don't think that's that's out there i don't think that smoking gun on the hip so to speak is out there i think that obviously teams have different levels of risk tolerance but i don't think there's something in there that's saying, oh my gosh, this guy's a, a ticking time bomb as far as the hip, and he'll only play two years and he'll be done. I don't think it's out there. Okay, here's what I think is really interesting, Neil, uh, is, is starting at, at really four with the Giants. You mentioned the Giants would love to trade down. Obviously, the Giants, it makes sense on paper to go offensive line, to go offensive tackle. They've they've got Saquon Barkley at running back. They've they've invested now in Daniel Jones as the as the replacement for Eli Manning, who has retired. So they, they need to protect those guys. They've acknowledged that publicly. But there are probably, I don't know, four, maybe five offensive tackles, whether it's Werfs or, uh, or Andrew Thomas or um, um, Jedrick Willis from Alabama, Becton from Louisville. Yeah, yeah, there's just guys there that are all kind of, you could throw them in a hat and toss them around and they're all going to be really good tackles. But, you know, I don't know that one, like like uh, you said, I don't know that one's necessarily that much. There's a consensus that one's that much better than the other. There are some elite defensive players in this draft that are probably going to be available at four. And, you know, guys like uh, uh, J- Akuda, you mentioned him. Um, Derek Brown, who I think is going to have a phenomenal professional career uh, out of Auburn. Uh, Isaiah Simmons, a, a versatile defensive player that, that – in today's hybrid football can can help you in so many different ways. You can mm-hmm. see why a team would say, hey, I'm going to get – if there's one of those guys, let's say a team just loves Akuda or a team just loves Simmons, hey, I'm going to get my guy and I can trade up to four. And if you're the Giants, you're a very willing partner because you, you might still be able to get your top choice at seven or eight. But if not, the second mm-hmm. your second choice at tackle is, uh, is, is not – you, you, you see what I'm saying? There's no consensus, really. You, sure. you just want to go get a good tackle, and there are plenty that will be available 8, 9, 10, 11 in the draft. Okay, so, well, 
as you alluded to, Neil, there is not necessarily a number one tackle in this market. We've seen Becton, uh, a lot of talk about his uh, excessive water or whatever finding that they had for his drug test at the combine. That could easily be the Giants trying to kind of start a smoke screen and make him slide so that they can move down. The Lions could have even put that out there. We don't know. Um, but I, I think that an offensive tackle makes too much sense for the Giants. They've got their quarterback, I guess. They feel like they did. And um, they've got to protect him. They have to protect him. And how many times have they you know, swung and missed on trying to get guys either through free agency or in the draft who can really be that kind of cornerstone left tackle? I think they've got to keep trying until they get that right. So uh, to me, if I'm the Giants, I do look to try to trade down. If I don't, then I take the guy I like the most. I don't know if it's Wurfs, I don't know if it's Becton, I don't know if it's Wills, I don't know if it's Thomas, uh, you know, Judy's in about Ivy Holder, but there are a lot of good tackles out there, and they're, they're looking pretty good to be able to, to land one one way, one way or another. You mentioned wide receivers, uh, C.D. Lamb, Jer- Jerry Judy, uh, Henry Ruggs. I mean, there's, there's a lot of, you know, impact guys there. Are, there. are there a couple that you think are going to go before the others? I think it's between Lamb and Judy. Um, <laughs> I think Judy, Judy's main problem is that he's not sexy anymore. He went into the last season as the clear number one wide receiver, and everyone else has kind of seen these other guys, and the new ones are, are a little more exciting and interesting and maybe have kind of a spell over teams. Uh, I still think that Judy's the guy, but uh, you know, if you take Lamb, I don't think you're disappointed. Um, Ruggs is exciting just because of his sheer explosiveness and you know, all those things that if it all comes together for you, wow, what have you got? But to me, I just think that you know, running routes and having polish and those kind of things and having been the man for as long as he has in Alabama, to me that makes Judy the number one guy. But again, in the eye of the holder, I think there's probably I think there's probably a split on Lamb and Judy as far as who's number one. And then after that, you've got a lot of exciting guys, interesting guys that can also be playmakers, but I don't think they are the, <laughs> the sure thing like Liam and Judy are. Raiders have a couple of first-round picks. Is there any scenario where they have one guy in mind? I mean, they're moving to a new place, moving to a new stadium, new city. The whole deal is that do they do they try to package and move up, or do you think they, they've got so many needs that they stay where they are there at, uh, what are they, like it's like 12 and 17 or 19 and yeah. got it here in front of 19 and 12. Yeah. You know, they've got the ammo to do it. I mean, uh, they could probably make a deal with the Giants, for example, and, and get up there if they wanted to. I don't know who it is they want. I mean, we've heard a lot about Gruden's dissatisfaction with Derek Carr, has Defawn in love with someone that he's got to have. I don't know what the answer is there. Um, it's There's still an interesting dynamic there between Gruden and Mayock, and I think, obviously, Gruden uh, swings the heaviest bat. They've drafted some guys that were more toolsy, that were projections, that weren't as good of players. They've drafted guys that, on the other hand, they're pure football players that don't have the tools as much but are more guys that you know love to play and that kind of thing. That tells me there's, they're at war in that war room. They're trying to decide who they are, how they want to draft, all those kind of things. Until that has really been established, I don't know how to predict what they're going to do. I mean... It's all speculation, and I and, and I guess that's, that's kind of what we're on the phone here to do is speculate to some degree, but that is 
such a wide open dynamic and, and such an evolving thing that it's hard to have any idea what they're going to do. It'll be fun to see, but I just don't know. I mean, you've got such a, a unique situation. You've got a guy who came in from TV, and you've got John Gruden, one of the biggest personalities in all the game. He's not going to listen to anybody else if he's got a, if he's got a strong feeling about someone. You know he's passionate about quarterbacks. So well, let me could go, he move up? Well, let me interrupt Possible. you. Let me, let me interrupt you and ask this then. Let's let's say just we're having some fun here. Let's say you're the Raiders, and internally you're in love with Tua. You're just in love with yeah. him. And at four, he's still sitting there. You can go get him, and you've got the picks to go get him. And if you're the Giants, you'd make that swap in a heartbeat. You'd do it. You'd do it in a second because you wouldn't even think about it. You wouldn't even think about it. You wouldn't think about it. Twelve and nineteen. You want four? Yep. We'll gift wrap it, and uh, here we'll, we'll send you a, a, a super Zoom chat. We'll throw some money in on this bitch. I mean, that's where you go on that. I mean, if you're the Raiders, there's there's Tua. Let's say you're in love with Tua, and you can even expand this out to Herbert. Maybe maybe it's Herbert that they love. Is is would that be worth doing? I mean, David Carr's not. I'm, I'm going to guess you agree with me here. David Carr's not taking you to the Super Bowl. Do you? Yeah, do you go? David Carr's not. Do you go get your franchise quarterback if you believe in that quarterback? You know, it's funny. A year ago, if you tell the Raiders, "Listen, you're going to have a nice draft. The team's going to really overplay, exceed expectations. Um, you're going to have two first rounders." And you're gonna have a crack into a. Do you do it? If they can make that trade right now or a year ago today, they would make it in a New York minute. I think they probably still would. I mean, you've got a guy again, and we've talked about this already. You know, today, Tua was a guy that was the lock number one. I mean, the Dolphins were going to tank for Tua. Now maybe he's number four. Maybe he even slides further. But if the Raiders have a chance to move into that number four slot and. Maybe trade two first-rounders for a first-rounder. I can't imagine they wouldn't. Again, we're just speculating here. but And I can't imagine the Giants wouldn't do it as well. Because they're still going to be able to get one of the impact tackles as well. Well, yeah, and you'll get another pick. If you're the Giants, you do it in a heartbeat for all the reasons we just discussed. Right. I mean, you know, you, right. you, yeah, you, you like Werfs at four. You like Werfs a lot. But, you know, you don't like Werfs so much more than Becton or so much more than... Right. Then one of the other guys that... Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and now you can get the 19th pick, too, or you can get... I'm just looking at Peter King's mock draft. You know, Christian Fulton from from LSU, Justin Jefferson at from LSU at 20, uh, AJ mm-hmm. Espinosa from uh, Iowa, the the defensive line, outside linebacker sort of mm-hmm. prospect. Those are 18, 19, 20 on Peter King's mock. So I'm not putting mm-hmm. any particular stock in King one way or the other, but I'm just saying those are the caliber of player that's going to be sure. there at, at 19. Well, those if you can get one of those guys as a bonus with getting one of the tackles that you already like, that's a no brainer. And and here's my thing yeah. about Tua, right? Is that this is a copycat league, and you feel free to tell me I'm an idiot. Tua Tua to me has a Patrick Mahomes sort of feel to him. He's got that kind of an arm. He's got that kind of charisma. There's just kind of something mm-hmm. about him that he's going to sell a ton of jerseys. He's going to represent your franchise well. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, man, if there's no glaring red flag with the hip. And and I've read where people say, well, you know, it's going to get him later in life. Well, I hate mm-hmm. that. I mean, you know, but but if Tua Tagovailoa has to have a hip replacement at forty five, that's not really impacting his football career. And it wasn't a Bo Jackson type injury where they didn't figure out what happened initially. I mean, they got all over this quickly. You know, that's the whole wild card in all this league. Neil is what do the Raiders doctors say about it? You know. Um, 
if, if that happens, if the, if the Raiders doctors sign off on it, then everything you said is true. And uh, I think what's even more interesting to me is, you know, Colin Murray went number one last year because we're seeing the college offenses become ushered into the NFL. And that's the wave of the future. And Tua can play that kind of, of offense. And, yes, I mean, and, you know, and, and also the jersey sales, the first year in Las Vegas, the fact that he's, from the West Coast originally. I mean, so many things feed into that. I mean, you know, I remember when I was running the Hula Bowl in, in Hawaii, I said, where, where do people in Hawaii go to vacation? I mean, they live in Hawaii. They go to Las Vegas. So that would be such an easy sell, such an impact situation for the Raiders if they were able to land to it. I mean, it would make a lot of sense. I haven't heard one ounce of speculation about that. We are just spitballing and having fun, yeah. you know, on a podcast page on a draft, but it makes so much sense. I can't believe it's not something that's being bandied about more than it is. We've talked about two of some, and again, I'm, I'm trying to make sure I don't keep you too long, but what are your thoughts on Justin Herbert? I mean, there, he was a guy that, you know, a couple of years ago, people said, man, next big thing, and then there was a period where people said, uh, he doesn't care about football enough, he's not enough of a football robot, he, he, there's too much more to his life. And then he had some games. He had a they had a game early in the season last year that wasn't particularly impressive. And then late in the year, he looked pretty good. What what are your thoughts on Herbert, the NFL prospect? I'm not as much of a Pac-12 fan as I am a lot of people. As a lot of people are, um, I don't dislike the Pac-12, but I don't compare it to the SEC. I'm sorry, I don't. I don't. I think among the the Power Five conferences, is definitely number five. I mean. It's, it's in the bottom run. It's, it's towards the bottom. You saw him struggle a little early in the season when he's playing the non-conference teams, and I thought those were the better teams. And then as he picked it up going through in, um, you know, in the co- in conference play and what have you. Um, there were a lot of reports. They had a nice senior bowl. I didn't really watch practice as much, even though I was there. I think he's a solid player, but I don't think he's... <laughs> he's not a guy that, to me, is a 12-year starter sometime pro bowler, that kind of thing. I, I don't watch him as much, Neil, as probably as I, as I should. I don't I don't talk to scouts extensively about them. I think he's a nice player, but I don't think he's in the Tua Burrow class. That's my impression of him. I don't, I'm not as excited about him as, as a lot of people are. All right, let's talk about a couple of teams that are a little down in the draft that are, are close to being a, a Super Bowl champ. Obviously, San Francisco couldn't, couldn't get a lot closer than they got. Uh, New Orleans New Orleans has Drew Brees, has this loaded roster. It's still, the window's closing, but the window's still open. Uh, both of those teams, they're 23, 24, in what most people are calling a pretty deep draft. Are there some guys that, that you're looking for for those teams that could, not, not one guy that puts them over the edge, but one guy who really fills a hole, makes sense, gives them a better shot at, at, at winning? Well, I think if you're looking at the Saints, and they had the glaring need of receiver, and um, they kind of probably kind of filled that hole with the Sanders signing. I think that was a good signing for them. I think they still need to look down the line um, at receiver. Yeah. There was some talk about Chenault. I think Chenault's sliding a little bit now from Colorado with this Chenault. Um, Justin Jefferson may be there. Uh, that probably be a longer shot. And you know, the the Saints have been. One of the teams that really stays true to their board and that they feel a, a guy that they like that maybe other teams don't like is still available later than they thought. They're you know, always eager to move up. So 
we could see him move up for a player. I think if they stay in Pat, they're going to have a, a shot at Kenneth Murray out of Oklahoma, who I think makes a lot of sense for him. Um, there are some quarterbacks towards the end of the draft that might be possibilities as well. As well, you can never have you know, too many quarterbacks, quarterbacks in this league. Um, maybe a Trayvon Diggs would be there. Uh, maybe a Christian Fulton. So a lot of different directions they could go. 49ers are a team that I think, uh, again, you, you, you go to the Super Bowl, not a lot of glaring weaknesses. I think their offensive line and their defensive line are pretty soft. They've got a really nice defense. Um, I think they could. that's a team that could could surprise. Maybe they take a Clyde edwards Hilaire at, at the end of the first round. Um, maybe they take one of the wide receivers that's still hanging. They, they, they're going to have the chance to take a, a player that slides, that, probably, that teams that everyone thought might go in the top 20 and winds up you know, hanging around at the end of the first round. As far as who that player is, kind of hard to say, but they're in a good position, obviously, as you alluded to. I mean, they went to the Super Bowl. They've, they're pretty young at most of the key positions. They uh, made some uh, some tough decisions on the defensive line, and um, but I think they've been good decisions, and I think they've, you know, on balance, have a, a pretty solid team with a good level of talent and, and not old at the key spots. You mentioned the Saints if they were to trade up. Just, again, spitballing, hypothetical. If I told you, crystal ball, hey, Saints traded into the top 10 picks in the draft, who would you guess they were trading up to get? I would say it would be a Lamb or a Kinlaw. I think having another defensive tackle that really could come in there and be a guy, uh, you know, Shelton Rankins didn't have the same year last year that he did two years ago. Um, I think they have some nice depth pieces, and they've got some guys, that, some nice free agent signings, but Kinlaw's a guy that no one's really talking about as much. To me, he's a rock top 10 talent, and right now, He's you know, 15, 16, 17, maybe 20. If he gets into those late teens, to me, he may be a guy they move up to try to get. Uh, Jalen Hurts right there in Houston. Houston product. Uh, started his career at Alabama, of course. Finished it at Oklahoma. Not a first-round quarterback, but a guy that probably raised his stock a little bit at OU. Showed that he wasn't just a yeah, product of – Yeah, just wasn't a product of the whole Alabama thing. Uh, there's some teams that, that are looking quarterback maybe, uh, second round. Uh, Green Bay, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Atlanta kind of come to mind. Is is there a fit for him? Is there a fit for, for uh, Jordan Love? Which one of those two guys do you kind of like the most as a second-round guy? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's funny you said Jordan Love. He's become kind of a sexy guy. A lot of people have – I've seen a lot of mocks you know, sending him to the Saints and – and I don't think he gets past 23. I think the Patriots have to do something at quarterback. And oh, wow. You, make you, you just answered the question I forgot to ask. That's that's fascinating. <laughs> they got to take a quarterback, right? I mean, nothing on Jared Stidham, but uh, I think they've got to get someone that they feel can really be the answer there. Maybe Stidham can be. Nobody knew that Tom Brady would be, but um, I think they need to, to get some, some more answers there. You know, Hurts is a – he's a sneaky first-rounder to me, uh, Neil. I – I think he's the right guy at the right time. He's got a lot of Kyler Murray in him. Um, he's uh, shown that he can play with two different teams. Now, both those teams are packed. But, um, and, you know, it's I, I don't want to overstate this too much, but I think character does matter. And having the character to stick around for that one year 
and sit and then kind of come in and more or less save the season for them, then transfer and have a knockout season in the Big 12, to me that, that says a lot about him. And he's obviously very mobile and mature and has enough arm. And he's the kind of guy that, again, if we're going to go more toward uh, RPO teams and uh, in that kind of his own read and what have you, then he's your guy. Um, yeah, I've seen some talk about the Packers maybe. Um, now that would be a, a drastic move in a different direction. But Aaron Rodgers isn't going to play forever. Um, so he's a possibility there. I could see, now again, I know the Titans have spent a lot of money on a quarterback, but maybe they take a, a, a guy like Hurts and use him in a lot of different places until they feel like it's his time to kind of take over. But he would really give a new dimension to their offense. Um, you know, if you go and pass there, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of different ways that teams can go. Um, if it, I don't know, it's kind of rank speculation at that point. The Chargers don't go quarterback in the first round, and I, I'm not sure. I think they've got a second rounder, but if they don't, then I could see them going with the Hurts maybe in the second round early. A lot of the different places he could go, and I think he's a guy that the needle's pointing up and, and maybe is a, is a little underrated for where I think he belongs in this draft. So uh, we'll finish with quarterbacks not in the draft, quarterbacks who've played in this league for a long time. What did you think of, of Tom Brady to Tampa? Does that make sense for them beyond the box office? Um, where does Andy Dalton end up in this draft? Uh, where, does, does he get moved? Uh, does Cam Newton find a home? What's What happens with some of these guys that we've been watching on Sundays for a long time? Well, I think Brady's going to have a nice season. I don't – I think – there have been some team, some in the media who really see them taking the, the, the Bucks a long way. I think the Saints are still the team in that division. Um, I don't think they win the division, but I don't think it's Brady's fault. I think they have to have a solid team, but I still think there are places in their defense they've got to shore up for really am sold on the Bucks. I, I think that um, the Bengals probably don't need to move, Andy. I, I mean, he's... He's been there, and he's been solid, and I haven't seen a lot of headlines of him saying, you know, play me or trade me or whatever. I think that, uh, you know, Burrow can come in and not have a lot of pressure on him and be in a good place, and uh, I think Andy's a guy that isn't going to – I think he's going to be willing to teach him and isn't going to be condescending and isn't going to act like, you know, I'm going to try to beat you out or try to hold you down because you're here. Um Who's the other quarterback you mentioned, Neil? Cam Newton. Cam Newton. Boy, Newton's a real wild card. I cannot believe no one has signed him yet. I can't uh, and the only reason, well, well, the two reasons, obviously, the, the, the medical is, is the number one reason, and that's a biggie, um, given that nobody can, um, you know, really check him out. But but the other one is, yeah, I, I talked to, to uh, I heard from scouts with the Panthers. The Panthers kind of liked last season without him, him being there. I mean, He's just a guy that's a little harder to handle and has a little bit of ego, and it makes for a more <laughs> a more tranquil season when you don't have him around, you know, in his wild wild outfits. Um, I don't know uh, where he goes, and you know, I would just be speculating, but I think he'd be really interesting to the Chargers. Um, I mean, there's a lot of places he goes, but he's not going to be, I, I think, okay, I mean, let's look at another quarterback, Jameis Winston. I think I can't believe Winston hasn't signed anywhere, but I think Winston's going to be more more 
if he goes in behind an established quarterback, I think he'd be willing to sit for a year and then with a chance to come in, maybe learn some and start next year. I don't think Cam Newton's going to be satisfied at all unless he comes in as the mayor. And I think that's one reason why his market's been kind of slow as well. We'll we'll finish here. You mentioned to prove how good you are. You mentioned the Chargers having absolutely no idea what I have up on my phone to finish this podcast with. The Chargers announced today. <laughs> the Chargers announced today that they have these new uniforms, and they have several several variations. Uh, and and some of them look good. They've got a a royal and navy blue. They both look good. But listen, this this all white look that they've got. This is, I mean, if you have children in the car, turn this off for a minute. This is pure sex, man. I mean, have you seen these? No, man, I haven't seen any of the unions. Oh, this is this is incredible. It, it is a white helmet with the uh, the uh, yellow outlined in powder blue thunderbolt, the uh, jersey okay. number underneath the thunderbolt, yellow uh, face mask. It's just pure. It's it's really. It's really it's X-rated and they a white jersey, powder blue numerals outlined in the yellow, yellow thunderbolts on the shoulders, uh, white pants with a yellow thunderbolt down the side of the leg outlined in powder blue, powder blue socks. It it is just absolutely scorching. Listen, the the Chargers, in my opinion, get an automatic playoff spot just for having that uniform. That is. It is it is incredible, and and this in today's in today's COVID depression that we're all going through. Kudos to the to the the Chargers, whatever they are, Los Angeles, San Diego, Bakersfield, whatever. Man, that uniform. I don't really care what they do at quarterback. It doesn't really matter anymore. That that uniform is. They're up four touchdowns every time they go on the road with that uniform. The other team is going to feel so inferior looking at that suit. It is I mean, wow. I, I, I'm telling you, they could put you or me at quarterback, and and it's not going to matter. I mean, it, 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 it's the, the the other team's going to have to get into the locker room at halftime, and the coach is going to have to have a predetermined speech about, hey guys, we we we're not playing the uniform, we're playing the people inside the uniform. Yes, that uniform is pure fire, but we let's get going, and by then it might be too late. I, it just wow. When you see that, I just. I, my recommendation to you, Neil, and to everybody out there in the listening audience, when you see that uniform, be someplace by yourself. Just- to me, if they put the numbers on the helmet, you've got to be single bar only. That's so much of a throwback, you know, that they should only be single bar helmets. I don't think it's even going to matter. I don't think it's even going to matter. You have to see this. You have to see this uniform. In today's, in today's society where we have gone to all the – like even the Patriots – Adding more stripes, adding more stripes. This is less is more, but the less yeah. is the less is so good. The matching mm-hmm. thunderbolts on the pants and the jersey and the helmet with a kind of a simple front. They don't have the word chargers on it or whatever, because everybody will know when you see the thunderbolts. Oh God, here come the chargers. Yeah. It's yeah. uh man, it's wow. It is so good. Yeah. So good. I mean, I, it's kinda like two state chic, you know, less is more. Um you know, limit the colors, limit the words, all that kind of thing. I, I, yeah, I agree with you. I'm right there with you on that. Yeah, I look forward to you watch, seeing those uniforms. You're you're going to be like, wow, that's that's amazing, and you're going to think of me. And yeah, just, I mean, they've they've came out the that 
I will say that the 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 powder blue top with the white pant is also a very good home look. Everything else, they've got a kind of a gold pant, a yellow pant. They've got an all navy that's fine. I don't really I don't really care for it. And I don't like the I, I'm sorry, the all royal is fine. The all navy kind of has a high school look to it. But the all white, uh-huh. holy cow. Wow. Uh-huh. Anyway. The powder royal is a good they got a lot to work on with the powder blue, if you ask me. I mean, I think that's just a good color. I agree. Um, but royal blue, is, I'm, a, I'm a fan of royal blue as well, but powder blue is a real winner. And, uh, you know, when you've got that on your side already, you're halfway home, in my estimation, anyway. Those old oiler uniforms from back in the day, when it was yeah. Pasquarini oh, yeah. and Earl, Earl Campbell, yeah, Robert Brazil, oh, all those yeah. guys, when they would bust oh, yeah. out with those white helmets with the oil, Derek, and the, and the powder blue and the white pants... I just don't know that we I mean, fully appreciate it as a society, what we had in those moments. I, I mean, you can argue things have never been the same since. Oh, I, I mean, I, I, think if, <laughs> I think if we had just kept those and kept them there and let them keep playing in the Astrodome, a lot of the world's problems would, would have disappeared. Those uniforms I don't think anyone would argue with you. The, the, There'd the, be no coronavirus, Neil. I mean, it would, they would have been wiped from the earth forever. It would, because we would just be singing Love You Blue and, and uh, watching Earl Campbell run down the, the sideline and Bum Phillips with his hat. And, he, he may still be playing if they just, just only wore those uniforms. Those were the days, man. I mean, you talk about <laughs> – there's, there's a couple of, like, what-ifs in sports. And all jokes aside, what if that team had just beaten – the Steelers once. I know the year the the Richie or, or the uh, what was the who was the guy that uh, Mike Renfro had the touchdown. Mike Renfro was a yep. big Richie catcher. Mike Renfro. Yep. Yeah, I know, man. I know. Hey, R- listen, Renfro was my team back then because you know I was in the Saints. I was the Saints were back then. The Saints were mathematically limited by about week five, week six. <laughs> so I pick up the Steelers in the late in the season. Um, you know, living in West Virginia at the time and. Uh, so I was all in when that when they called that uh, that that catch out of bounds. But yeah, I mean, if, it, if that if he if they make that call correctly, that changes the tide of the game, and maybe do all this go. I mean, it's isn't it amazing? Earl Campbell never went to a Super Bowl. That was the most devastating player in the league for about three or four years. No one could stop him. Think about it. If that happens, the whole the whole Steelers dynasty doesn't really happen. We yeah. re- we remember people differently. Uh, Bum Phillips gets a Super Bowl, maybe gets another, yeah. maybe gets another. Uh, we it just it's just the legacies of Earl Campbell, of, of Dan Pastorini, of uh, everything. Yeah, everything. Yeah, I mean, it just it's just and it was so close uh, that that day. And you know the famous quote about you know we keep knocking on the door, we're going to knock down the door and. They almost did mm-hmm. knock down the door, and had they knocked it, just they're one of those teams, and there's there's a handful of those moments in sports history that sort of you, you go back and you look at it and go, if that happens, everything changes. And I know that's life's that way. I get it, but it's mm-hmm. kind of fun to do it in sports because you can. It's easier to draw a linear line. If this happens, this happens, and this doesn't happen, and you know, it's the whole mm-hmm. if if if. Clay Thompson doesn't go off in Game Six of the Western Conference Finals in 2016. The Thunder probably win a title, and Kevin Durant stays in Oklahoma City, and and the Warriors break up, and 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 all of those. You know, I mean, a lot of stuff just just goes different. It's just it's the 
the what if of sports. We could, we could do hours of podcast on what if sports. If the, if the, Dolphins, if the Dolphins don't fail, Drew Brees on his physical. Nick Saban never goes to Alabama. You know, that whole line is Oh, well. yeah, that's a, that's a real one. That's that's one that you don't even all you you don't even have to change a play you just have to change a doctor. Yeah, exactly, exactly. The, Doctors are so much more important than people get to give them credit for sometimes. Yeah, well, we'll see that this weekend with the Tua thing because some team, some teams got to sign off on it. Some teams got to say, you know what, we're going to believe it, we're going to go with it, and some team might do the opposite and say, you know what, man, it's just it's a hip and we just can't, and and that that could be a decision that backfires for years and years and years where they they become the Bears where the Bears. Could have taken Patrick Mahomes and could have taken Deshaun Watson, mm-hmm. and instead they took Trubisky, and they can't mm-hmm. they can't live it down. It hangs over the franchise. It's uh, it's the whole Jordan thing, right? It's, we're still talking about Jordan. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure. The Blazers. The, yeah, if you're the Blazers, you're like, I'll be so glad when this damn documentary's done. <laughs> make it make it stop. <laughs> poor, poor Sam Bowie. Yeah. Poor Sam Bowie's going. Like, hey, he's going. I didn't do anything. They took me. I went. Oh, God. Leave me alone. Everybody knew about it. You know? yeah. yeah, you're right. It's your yeah, damn fault. Right. Yeah, all I did was cash the check, you <laughs> jerk. All right, hey, buddy, I know you're busy. Thanks so much for the time. I really appreciate it as always. My pleasure, man. It's always fun. You know, have a great one. And uh, let's all. I'm glad that America can finally enjoy a, a somewhat of a sports thing. This weekend, I guess starting Thursday. Absolutely. Kudos to the NFL for doing it. And um, <laughs> look, look forward to seeing your coverage. Thanks. All right, buddy. Bye-bye. Our thanks to Neil for his time today on the show a couple days before the draft to give us more than a half hour of his time. It was really generous. Really appreciate it. We'll uh, be back sometime soon. I don't even know. We're not on any schedules anymore. Sometime probably in the next week or so with another edition of the Beer Garden. We've got a uh, soft verbal coming to you as well here on the Beer Garden channel. So got a lot coming to you here on MPW Digital. So thanks to Neil Stratton. Thanks to you all for listening. Stay safe out there. Hope to talk to you soon. Until next time, take care.